The Bike Karma Bicycle Stories podcast is brought to you with support from The Frame and Wheel, helping you turn your cycling items into cash without the hassle. And AD Bikes, the modern face of Ostra Daimler bicycles. Become bike, become AD Bikes. Episode 64. Hello and welcome to the Bike Karma Bicycle and Cycling Stories podcast. I'm your host, Tom Brown. The mission of the show is to bring people from all over the world together who like bicycles, whether it's wrenching, riding, or collecting, whether you're a novice or an expert, and we bring them together through sharing stories. If you've ever smiled about a bicycle, you're in the right place. We are grateful to have over 100,000 downloads in over 90 countries all over the world. We can neither confirm nor deny any listeners off-planet. This episode is a little shorter, but it's a lot more timely than usual. Today we have Trevor and his amazing cat Sigrid, who have charmed the hell out of London by bicycle. We also look back to what many of us had as our first family mission, which was to get something from the grocery store. And then guess what Taryn and I found at a swap meet? You have a lot of bicycle podcasts you could listen to, and I really appreciate you coming along for the ride on mine. Let's roll out. So yeah, I love bikes, you love bikes, that's probably why you're here, but there's stuff more important than bikes. And one is that you're a human being and I'm a human being. Online, politics is crazy. It can shatter your soul, it can make you sad, it can make you angry. But even if we skip politics and just go to bikes, there are so many strong opinions in the bicycle community. There's so much anger, a lot of anger at cars. A lot of anger at other bikers who aren't doing things the the right way. And while many of these criticisms may be true, and maybe there might be better answers than other answers for things, anytime we stop seeing the person on the other side as a human being, we've already lost. So this is a big wind-up to why does a bike guy like me like a car show? Not all car shows. In fact, I find it downright silly how they try and squeeze a few more horsepower out of an engine rather than try and get greater fuel economy out of it. But I do enjoy car shows sometimes. Taryn and I like watching these guys from the UK. They were originally on a show called Top Gear. There are three main hosts and they all kind of play characters. There is a true camaraderie between them and they would get challenges such as, you know, spend a thousand dollars on a car and drive it across Africa or turn this truck into a boat. Well, this show was really popular and long running in the UK and then somebody punched somebody, literally, and it was canceled. Eventually the show was picked up by I think Amazon but had to change the name and they turned it into Grand Tour. And then there were a bunch of specials. Now why am I talking about this on a bike podcast? Don't worry, there is a slight Venn diagram coming up. So Taryn and I love these adventure car shows with this guy, one of the hosts is Jeremy Clarkson. And a kind way of putting it is he sometimes plays the fool. He acts often with bravado and some tongue-in-cheek toxic masculinity. But if you watch enough of the show, you realize that underneath it might be a real human being who's kind of like playing this part. He started farming during COVID and graciously allowed them to emphasize everything that he was doing wrong in the show. So anyway, what's not to like about Jeremy Clarkson is he 
bashes cycling almost every chance he gets. Is it part of his persona? Is it part of just his ranting? They've put him on a bike on the show before and he smiles. <laughs> Even he smiles when he's on a bicycle. Even if it's as some bizarre challenge. But he rants just like your grumpy uncle or that guy who passes you too close. So is he loudmouth? Absolutely. Is he sometimes acting like a tool? Absolutely. Does he complain about cyclists taking up the road? Yeah. And here's where it comes together. My next guests left him speechless on the side of the road. So if you can leave Jeremy Clarkson speechless on the side of the road and make the vast majority of other people you pass smile, you are doing something right in the world. I give you Travis and his amazing cycling cat, Sigrid. Yeah, I mean, people often ask, you know, like, how, how do I know if she actually enjoys these bike rides? Um, that's one that typically gets asked. <laughs> so how do I know that Sigrid enjoys these bike rides? Well, um, she will often get kind of bored and frustrated inside, and she'll go to the door and meow. And a few times I've caught her on video, like, jumping on the bike or kind of, like, stretching up to the bike. Um, and she'll, she'll actually climb into her basket. So I keep the basket on the floor next to the bike. And she'll climb into her basket and hang out sometimes. I think she makes her preference pretty clear that she, she does enjoy it a lot. Well, hi, my name's Travis Nelson, and uh, well, I ride my bike around a lot in London with my cat, Sigrid. We basically just ride around and, and meet people and uh, just try to make people happy and smile. Could you spell your cat's name? It is S-I-G-R-I-D. Where did that name come from? Well, she's a Norwegian forest cat, and Sigrid is an Old Norse name. How did you and your cat meet? Well, it's kind of a, a strange story. I was doing a lot of uh, genealogy research, you know, Ancestry and all that, Ancestry.com and all that. And I discovered a lost branch of the family in Norway. So I knew my grandparents had immigrated to the United States from Norway, but I, I didn't know we still had family there. So I actually discovered them and I went to Norway and met them and everything. I was also thinking about getting a new cat. So getting a Norwegian forest cat just kind of seemed like a good idea. So I found a breeder in Los Angeles and uh, went down there and got her. Uh, so I've had her for five years now. She just turned five in April. So what was the first time like that you said, hey, I'm going to take this cat on a bike ride? How did that happen? So let's see, that was about a year and a half ago. So I guess it was December. I had basically just been made redundant uh, because I, I moved over here for a job. And then, uh, you know, Brexit happened and then COVID happened. And I got laid off for made redundant, as they say here. And because all the lockdown stuff was happening, there wasn't really much for me to do, right? I could apply for jobs, but uh, other than that, so I just started riding my bike a bunch because then I could be socially distanced and I could get outside. Well, I've always taken her for walks since she was a little kitten. And uh, one day I just thought, hey, I'm out here doing bike rides almost every day. Why don't I bring her along? So I actually had like a, I had a little chest care carrier, you know, like a baby Bjorn that I had used for her a few times to do like picnics and stuff. So I just, I threw her on that and did a couple bike rides and she just absolutely loved it. Like she was completely fine with it from the get go. So I, I bought a basket and uh, the rest is history really. <laughs> yeah, she's been an adventurer from day one and I've, I've always taken her on adventures and just like everything else, she just takes it in stride. She's, she's one of a kind really, she's a strange little cat. <laughs> she's, she's fine with almost everything. 
you know, the most negative reaction we ever get is maybe someone being kind of confused and giving us some side eye, <laughs> but almost everyone is like smiling and pointing and laughing. That's really what makes the whole thing so addictive, you know, like it's hard to not want to do this when you're just constantly making people happy everywhere you go. It's a lot of fun. Uh, well, the dogs, uh, they, they seem to be mostly being different. I mean, you know, sometimes they notice, sometimes they don't. They're, they're generally pretty chill. The cigarette absolutely hates dogs, and, and she hisses at pretty much every dog she sees. She will try to chase them and attack them. She's, she's a dog hater for sure. So, so typically we do one to two hours, but I, I think the longest one we did was, I want to say close to five hours. Um, so she's, she's generally pretty good. She can she can take long rides. A couple of the longer rides, she's actually taking little naps in the basket, but typically she's too nosy to do that. She always wants to see what's going on. I've been trying to do longer rides because I do want to do like uh, bikepacking with her sometimes. I have taken her camping, you know, by car and she loved it. So I, I do want to like kind of build a bikepacking bike and maybe do a little tour with her, but um, that's probably down the road. <laughs> So what was the scariest moment biking with Sigrid? To be honest, it was actually not on the bike. We had stopped in a park so that I could let her walk a little bit. And she chased after a dog and then got out of her harness. So she was running after that dog like a lightning bolt. And I had to run after her and grab her and, and you know, just pray that the dog wasn't hurt. That was pretty scary because she could have easily hurt that dog or the dog could have hurt her. So now we, we use better harnesses and I'm a lot more cautious when, when dogs are around. So she's quite the badass. She is. <laughs> she is a little thug. <laughs> what is the weirdest thing that's happened while biking with scissors? Hmm, that's a good question. I bring this one out often because I think it's funny. Is one time we passed uh, Jeremy Clarkson on the sidewalk, the host of Top Gear and the Grand Tour. If you're familiar with him. Yeah, so he's, he's you know super into cars and he's spoken out against cycling like quite often and we just kind of passed him on the sidewalk and he saw us and then gave us like you know the most disturbed look as we rode away and I kind of I kind of caught that on camera and got a good photo of that um I, I think that was uh, kind of a funny celebrity sighting a little unusual we love his top gear show but we hate yeah. his attitude towards bikes. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a funny guy. I mean, you know, you have to recognize, of course, a lot of it's a character, and he, he's known to ride bikes when he's on vacation and stuff. But it's, it's, yeah, he's, he's, he, he plays an idiot, and he does it well. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I would love to see that picture. I'll have to check that out later. Is that on your Instagram? It is, it is, yeah. I can also okay. make yeah. I will show my son that because we've spent hours and hours and hours watching Grand Tour and Top Gear and all that. <laughs> Ah, that's cool. So do I notice that Sigrid has any preferences while cycling? Well, she definitely prefers sunny weather. And I know this because she gets very excited when the weather's nice. She'll go to the windows and meow, and she'll go to the door and meow and stuff like that. So she prefers to be out in sunny weather. As far as routes and stuff, it, it really depends. She, she hates stopping. She always wants to be moving. And quite often she'll kind of like meow at me when we stop at stoplights and stuff. It's, it's a little bit annoying. But she does like parks a lot because she likes to watch birds and watch squirrels and stuff like that. So I, I always try to include some parks and some nature. 
nature kind of stuff on our rides. Interestingly enough, I did take her one time out into like sort of actual nature and she kind of didn't like it. She seemed a little overwhelmed. So I, I think her overall preference is city parks <laughs> because they're kind of clean and tidy and then she can watch for birds and squirrels. I think that's her overall favorite. So let me just walk people through this. So you're pulling up to a stoplight on a bicycle and your cat starts to get annoyed with you for stopping. <laughs> yeah, she will and she start meowing like, at around. you. She will turn around and look at me and meow sometimes. Like it, she really gets like impatient sometimes. <laughs> it's a little ridiculous. <laughs> it comes and goes, you know. Like certain rides, she just wants to be moving, and she'll meow every time I stop. And then, and then sometimes she's a little more chill. But it's she's she's not uh, quiet about her preferences. That's for sure. Uh, does Sigurd have her own Strava profile? She does. She does have her own Strava profile. And I think she's got like five times more followers than I do. <laughs> but uh, we record all our rides there. She does have one QOM. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lisa, she did. I haven't checked in a while. Hopefully it hasn't been stolen. But yeah, she does have one. <laughs> They're hard to find in London. I mean, we had, we had to look around to find one that was achievable. Because <laughs> I just wanted her to have one. But uh, we did. We found one. And do people know that they have been bested by a cat when, when they see the profile and they're standing that this cat did the segment faster than yeah, you did? That's a good question. I mean, the, the one line in her description on Strava just says, I'm a cat. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, you do raise a good question because I don't, you know, like I wanted to get her one QOM, but I don't go around like chasing them because it is unfair, you know, like as a male cyclist to go out there and be getting, you know, QOMs. <laughs> but, but I wanted her to have one, and so we did that. What do you think her reaction would be if she started seeing cats and riders more frequently? <laughs> Um, that's a good question. She, she hasn't met a lot of cats. I mean, we have one other cat in the house, and whenever we meet, the, you know, the, the few times we've run into cats outside, she has been pretty aggressive towards them as well. Not as much as towards dogs. Like, she has, like, a strong curiosity, but she, like, again, she's she's a thug, so she does, like, kiss at him and stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. She, she has, like, this curiosity. Like, she doesn't understand other cats, and she wants to know more or something. So, kind of hit or miss. <laughs> I have to be pretty cautious with her around cats, but I'm, I'm very curious. people want to find out more about you and Sigrid, where would they go? If you want to find out more about me and Sigrid, um, literally go to the search engine of your choice, go to Google and just type Travis and Sigrid and you will find us everywhere. Well, thank you very much for sharing your story. Yeah, no problem. Now it's time for the mid-roll gratitudes. Just a simple way of acknowledging and thanking folks for helping with the show. Just want to give a shout out to my four newest Patreons, Eric Beller, Stuart Marshall, Joe P., and Bill Smith. They help to support the show by just giving a little bit each month on Patreon. If you'd like to check that out, you can go to my Patreon page. Just go to Patreon and search up 
bike karma. It could be as little as a dollar a month and you can stop at any time. So thank you very much for everybody who's helping me out there. Following on anywhere that you listen is extremely helpful to the show. It helps us to raise in the search engines. Any following or sharing or likes or positive reviews are greatly appreciated. But for following on Podbeam, thank you to Barrett Gupta. Thank you very much. Then YM Quizk. Thank you for following. Craig Wilson. Thank you for following and having an easy to pronounce name. And then we've got Nifkifspurpruner2. Thank you very much. Thank you for all the folks in our responsible sticker army. If you want, just let me know and I will send you some free stickers that you can responsibly place around the world. It is an organic and honest way to help spread the word about the show. You can DM me on any social media or you could just send me an email at bikekarmaguy at gmail.com. So I am going to add one little segment and it's really short, really brief and really easy. It's just a little mission. Each show, I'm going to add a little mission. And the mission this time is if you like the show, please tell just one other person about it. That's it. Just tell one other person about it. You will help the show greatly and it'll take you seconds. And while it's not scientifically proven, you may in fact find yourself with less flat tires in the coming year. I don't know. It's a rumor. I don't, I don't know where it started. But the mid-roll gratitudes would not be complete without thanking Fred Thomas from the Frame and Wheel and 80 Bikes. Fred is an overall bicycle lover, cycling enthusiast, and advocate. He bought the brand he used to race on when he bought Ostro Daimler bikes and has been cranking out some amazing looking frames and bicycles. But his other business, as you know, is the Frame and Wheel, and the Frame and Wheel helps you to get your bicycle and cycling stuff sold, giving you more time, space, and cash. So if you have some bicycle things, even a whole bicycle or some bicycle accessories or some cycling parts or takeoffs that you have that you thought you'd use but you haven't, you can get it to Fred at the Frame and Wheel and he can get that listed and sold. He is an expert at photographing, describing, and navigating all of the ins and outs of dealing with people on eBay. You could take your part of the funds from the sale and just get a check sent to you or you could apply them to an AD bike or you could have them go on to your favorite charity. There's lots of options there and Fred's website, the Frame and Wheel, will talk you through all of them. If you were going to do it yourself, you already would have, so why not give Fred a try at the Frame and Wheel? You can do like I do and favorite his store on eBay so you're the first one to see what new stuff comes in. Now back to the show. This is the second year where we've celebrated spring with bicycles on Maine in Wethersfield, Connecticut. That's where we take bicycles, most of which are beyond hope, and decorate them in fun ways and then display them up and down the main street. It's a nice way to celebrate spring. We do the same thing in the fall, but with scarecrows and springtime is more about bikes and getting around and getting back outside. So as usual, I set up a little spot to record people's stories. Didn't have as much time there as I thought I would this May, but I did get one story, uh, a reminiscence of going to the grocery store to get groceries on your bike as a kid. 
my name is Renee. I am a resident of Weathersfield. I grew up here. Hello to Mr. Plane flying above us. Um, I grew up on Old Main Street and it was the most special, precious time of my life. And I remember as a child, one of my fun memories is that my mom would write a grocery list and put it in the basket of my bicycle, which I had so so decked out in ribbons like you would not even believe there were ribbons anywhere you could put a ribbon on it so they could fly in the in the wind and I would put those ribbons in my hair too because obviously they gave me superpowers um, and so when Village Pizza was a grocery store um, that's where you know we, I would ride my bike there because I lived on Main, Old Main Street I would get my items sometimes I wouldn't have all the money but they knew I was a regular customer so they would send it back to my mom, my mom would give me the extra money that I have to ride my bike back and fill <laughs> fulfill the order. But uh, but it was just a special time in my childhood and my life. And when I see these bikes on Maine, I remember those special, precious moments that I wish that every child could have. Because I just remember riding my bike with no constraints, no rules, just being a kid on a beautiful day, just riding down Main Street, waving to people, you know, having the neighbors checking in on me and, you know, for my mom, a single mom, right, you know, sending me to the grocery store, which was really, you know, 100 feet away from the house. But it was such an adult assignment and I felt so empowered. I was like, I could do anything with my ribbons, my bike and my basket and my bread and milk. And I'm like a superhero. <laughs> I'm contributing to the household. That, that was just a fond memory. And when I see these bikes on Main and when I, every time I walk down Main Street, I just remember myself as a little kid and just going to the grocery store for my mom. And I still see the, the remnants of the fruit aisle at Village Pizza. They never, they never repainted that. Maybe they did in the last couple of months or so. No, they haven't. Okay, it's still there, yeah. Because I look up there and I just, I remember where the checkout line was. I remember everything. But yeah, my fun memories of uh, Old Weathersfield. Yeah, we're sitting there eating pizza and we're wondering what's what's this fruit thing about. <laughs> now, now you know if if they don't tell you that it used to be a grocery store. I think it was something else too before Village Pizza took it over. But I, I just that's what I remember, and I don't know. I just that's why I came back to Weathersfield. I came back so I could have that feeling again of of just community. I guess is the best way to put it. Do you remember exactly what kind of bike it was? What brand it was? Oh, what model? Oh my gosh. Well now, no. I That I don't know. Whatever was the popular bike that was blue with, with white handles, a white basket. I remember there were three strategically placed daisies on the basket and I remember I had, and I added, I had to add tons of ribbons to it. So whatever would have been the hot bike for, for girls from 1970, five through 77 that was that was the bike model i have but no you're talking to the wrong person on that i don't know make brand or model I, i'm lucky i know what i drive <laughs> all right thank you very much for sharing your story thanks for letting me jab about it i was i love talking about my past here in old weathersfield Now it's time to remind all the listeners to do an ABC quick check every time before you ride your bike. It only takes seconds and it could save your life. For A, check the air. Just squeeze the tires on the side mostly. See if you've got enough pressure to make a safe journey. 
B is for brakes. Make sure that you can't push the handles all the way down to the handlebars. Make sure that your brake shoes are not hitting the tire. Things get bumped around when you move your bikes and you gotta just check them over really quick. For those of you with disc brakes, just take an overall look at your brakes and see if they look like they're gonna be able to do their job. C is for chain and the chain line. Check basically what drives your bike. Sometimes chains break, they also stretch. But even worse, there's some things that could snap or break while you're riding. So just do an overall quick little check. You don't have to be an expert. Just see if there's anything that looks broken or not quite right. Quick stands for quick release, which is the dominant way right now where a lot of wheels stay on the bicycle. Make sure they're closed. Make sure they didn't get unfolded. But there's also bolts that hold wheels onto bicycles. And of course, there's now the new standard, which is through axles. So whatever is holding the wheels on your bike, just check and make sure that they're actually attached correctly. Quick also stands for doing a quick overall check of your bike. Pick it up about six inches off the ground and just let it drop gently and see if anything comes off of it or if it makes a weird noise. Just doing this overall quick check before you go for a ride is going to help you to spot huge problems that it's a lot better to spot them then than it is to spot them as you're going down a giant hill. So every time before you ride, please do an ABC quick check. So there's a danger in nostalgia to think of things as perhaps better than they were. Taryn and I went to a bike swap meet last year and got my childhood bike. Now it wasn't exactly my childhood bike. It was from my teenage years around 1984. I look back at this as my first big boy bike and it was a mountain bike and I almost got a BMX cruiser, which would have been really cool, but the wheels were kind of small and it wasn't geared. But the one that I ended up getting was one of the first mass market mountain bikes. And back then they called them ATBs or all-terrain bicycles. The Murray Baja 1000, it was a really popular bike. For many, it introduced the masses to a mountain bike and what a mountain bike would be like for a few years. Somehow they got a tie-in with the 1984 Olympic Games, so there were cool extra decals all over it that seemed to give it some type of cred. Now mine from back in the day was a blue. It was a beautiful color blue. But this one that we picked up at the swap meet was the more desirable chrome version. So in that way, it was a step up. But in the other direction, this must have been earlier than my blue bike because right before there was this brief window where they didn't have candy bosses on some of the all-terrain bicycles and they used the old style of just squeezy brakes. I guess you'd call them side pull. So a lot of it was like my original bicycle and a lot of it was different. The weird part is I paid probably the same price that I paid for it new, maybe a little bit less, but it was definitely rideable. So here's the guy telling the story about how he had raced it just a little bit before we had bought it. Yeah, this is Derek Riggs. I'm an independent sales rep in New England. I rep uh, Pivot and KHS. And I just sold my Murray Baja to this young man. And the bike was most recently used at a enduro race in Barrie, Vermont at the quarries, at the trails there. They had a clunker class, so I took the bike with me. I rode my, my regular enduro bike and this bike in different categories and we all survived so there you go the bike's in good shape and away it goes 
Yeah, it's a survivor. It's a Murray Baja, which is one of the first mass market low-end mountain bikes. Murray Baja 1000. Yeah. You gotta throw the yeah, 1000 in there. The 1, there you go. So, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Do you know anything about the history of bike? Uh, not that particular bike. No, I don't know. I don't know who had it before me, but uh, you know, it's it's uh, in good shape for what it is, and it's well, what is it now? Thirty-five years old. Yeah. Thirty-seven years old. So that's it's pretty amazing. That's in one piece and very original. So what was it like? You were was it downhill? So it was an enduro race down like a logging road type of situation with a couple of little single track offshoots. So you're on top of this run, and you're on a really old Murray department store, a good department store, but a Murray department store, high-end, low-end bike. That, and you're staring down this, this road. What are you thinking? What's well, going through your head? to my defense, I had gone through the bike and tuned it up, so at least I made sure that it had brakes. Also, keep in mind, there was a coaster brake class in this event, and I had just ridden that. So this bike at least had two brakes on it, which seemed like a little extra safety. Um, but you know, it, it actually, it's very slack and very long, so it, it's not a real quick bike. So it felt pretty stable. It, was, it wasn't that big a deal. Cool, well, we will enjoy it. Thank you very much. Thank you, have fun. Thanks. So as an artifact, as a sentimental artifact, the thing was beautiful. Had a lot of rust that needed to be cleaned off though, and in that way, we had to take off some of the decals when we went to clean up that chrome frame. The wheels look like gold anodized wheels, but they were really just chrome, heavy, heavy, cheap wheels that were spray painted with a matte anodized like gold finish. So there comes a point in every build, in every repair job where you're wondering, do you preserve the integrity of the original artifact or do you just throw that to the wind and just make it better? And this is where the story comes in about beware sentimentality. When I was initially buying it, I was initially holding it, I was flooded with all the positive memories that I had of this thing. But after I had put it up on the work stand for a few hours, I was right back there as that same teenager being frustrated with some of the less than optimal things about the bike. The wheels are probably the heaviest wheel set I've ever come across. Many of the spokes, which are supposed to be tight and you know symmetrical, were flaccid and there was a lot of movement in the rim. And this wasn't just because it needed a good truing, it's because the spokes were thinner than modern spokes are. The hubs were really, really basic and where you do the adjustment for the cones, which is where the bearings, it's how the wheel rolls, there is only one, usually there's three. There's the cone, the tightening of the cone, and then there's another nut that holds it onto the frame. And to top it off, when I went to swap out that wheel with a better, more modern wheel, the width of the hub was also more narrow and cheaper than what eventually would become the standard for mountain bikes for years. So I had to spread the fork a few millimeters just to put a decent wheel in. Now with all this having been said, you might just say, perhaps you should have just left your memories in the past. But at the end of the day, what I got was the bike that I wish I had. We built it up as a big BMX all-terrain bicycle style cruiser. I turned it into a single speed, put some wide cruisy colored tires onto it, put the pair of blue triple trap pedals, which I thought were original and they're probably repumps. And seriously, I think this is the only bike that I've 
had in the last 10 years that these actually look really good on. And so together, my son and I turned this into the bike that I wish I could go back in time and have given to myself. It's not too far a stretch from where it was. In fact, if I had the know-how, I could have done all this myself back then, but I'm not hung up on that part. The money shot for me is that I'm able to actually look at a bike and really feel inside that I made it better, that I made it what it should have been, and that feels damn good. It doesn't happen a lot. It's like taking an old family recipe and making it better in a way that's so good that everybody from then on out does it your way, which includes the family way, and then your special editions and you become a part of that narrative. So there's a ton of these old mountain bikes and especially ATBs around, and most people look at them with perceived obsolescence. I mean, sure, they could be garbage, but there's a bunch of us who've reimagined how they can live on. Not only live on, but be relevant, be desirable. So if you see an old 80s or 90s mountain bike or ATB, there's a few paths you could take. One, turn it into a commuter bike. They're bulletproof commuters, and if you build it up right, it will be one of the most comfortable things you've ever ridden. Second is to turn it into an Econo gravel grinder. Pop some drop bars on it, and you could turn it into an all-road beast. Finally, another option is to just strip it all the way down, clean it up, build it back up as a single-speed BMX-style cruiser, like a poor man's SE bike. Those PK rippers and big rippers and all that stuff that's so popular right now. There are so many splatter paint frames out there just looking for someone to show them some love and build them back up. So that's all great, Tom, but what's the story? The story is... For this bike that was built in 1983 as a department store all-terrain mountain bicycle, it became, we don't know, for the first 10 years of its life, no clue. Uh, probably ridden by some kid, probably gently. Then it got raced by this guy that I met at the swap meet. Like legit racing with a bunch of other bikes from the same vintage and with similar clunkiness. From there, it gets to me and I trick it out with Taryn and we make it into a rat rod BMX cruiser style bike. And it's not over. This bike has just about equal prospects of living as long, if not longer, than me. Not bad for an old school, built in the USA, department store bike from 1983. And all I had to do was to get over my fear of doing a makeover on my memories of this bike. Do you have a story about a bike from your past? Perhaps bringing it into your future? If so, email me at bikekarmaguy at gmail.com. Love to have your story on the show. Thank you for coming along for the ride on another episode of the Bike Karma Bicycle and Cycling Stories podcast. As always, I'd like to thank Keller Glass and the band Mobjack for our opening and closing theme music used with permission. You can check them out at mobjackmusic.com or look up Mobjack or Keller Glass separately to see what else they've got. I'd like to thank all the guests on the show for sharing their stories today. You may have noticed that today's episode is just slightly shorter than normal. No, that doesn't mean I'm out of stories. Just trying to get a little bit ahead of the game. If you have ideas, suggestions, or comments, maybe you have a story that you think might fit on the show. Maybe you have a product that you think might be good for promotion on the show. Maybe you want to send me a bicycle to review for you. Or maybe you're just finally coming through with that Oprah interview I've been wanting forever. It will happen. 
You can contact me at bikekarmaguy at gmail.com. That's bikekarmaguy at gmail.com. The Bike Karma podcast is the intellectual property of Thomas Brown. All rights, including the rights for reproduction and broadcast, trademarks, copyrights, all of that is asserted and reserved. With the exception, of course, of the music. Apart from the opening and closing themes by Mob Jack and the other background music from royalty-free sources, we appreciate those musicians as well. It's a crazy world right now, and while it seems sometimes like I'm telling bicycle stories on the Titanic, I know there is a reason I'm doing it, and that's just to connect with other people. So I appreciate you being out there listening to these stories. I appreciate the people who've shared their stories. I appreciate, hopefully, that I can bring some of those two groups together. Well, till next time, keep it wheel. But rather wait.